Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning beat Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson one up in the match. Champions for charity. Brady got off to a terrible start. Took a lot of trash talking and both on and off the course. But he hit the shot of the day even if he split his pants doing so. I did say split. The Lightning were one of two teams that voted against the 24-team format for the NHL playoffs. We'll tell you why. And you don't have to wonder where Chris Godwin gets his toughness from. His 89-year-old grandmother is home from the hospital in Delaware after battling COVID-19. What Godwin did next is inspiring. We've got all that and more on this Memorial Day edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hope you guys are observing Memorial Day. And, of course, uh, our thoughts and uh, lots of prayers are to the families of the loved ones who paid the ultimate sacrifice and uh, our thanks to those who are still serving across the country in the armed forces. We certainly appreciate you. We take this day to observe it, and we want everyone to be safe out there uh, and have a, uh, uh, a productive Memorial Day. And remember those folks that, that gave that sacrifice. All right, let's talk about uh, this uh, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, Champions for Charity. I'll say this, Steve. It was live sports, which is something we have craved for a very long time uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we had the golf exhibition, uh, I guess it was a week ago, um, and uh, and then this one uh, was interesting because you had, uh, you know, obviously two of the, the best of all time in golf with Tiger Woods and Phil and that rivalry, and they played it against each other a year ago. And then you had, uh, you know, you, you comp- combine Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and what those guys have gone at each other on the football field. So, you know, four uber competitive people in the uh, the top of their games, but their games – at least in the case of Manning and Brady, is not golf. <laughs> Let's be clear on that. <laughs> and and I will say this, and I, I don't, I really mean it by you know. There's a lot of obviously a lot of athletes play golf, right? And get hockey mm-hmm. players and baseball players and, and a lot of football players too. Um, but for anybody that has held a club in their life and attempted to hit that little ball somewhere and somewhere where they could find it later, um, I the courage it takes for these guys to go into that arena. I mean, imagine, you know, putting a tee down after watching Tiger Woods blast one about 330 yards or whatnot. Um, It's got to be incredible. And they look, they both look nervous as they could be both Manning and Brady um, right off the first tee. I mean, both their drives were just horrible, virtually almost out of play. And, you know, they settled down after a while and especially Brady on the back nine, he had a horrible front front nine. But it just, I mean, you know how good these guys are. I mean, let's just put it this way. You'd never see Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods standing in the pocket with, you know, a bunch of 300-pound guys coming at them and try to complete a pass. Let's put it that way. No, I, I, I mean, look, not only to stand in that box there on national television, when you're the mm-hmm. only sporting event on town, you're the only foursome on the course i mean it's not like right. it's a whole pro-am or whatever that you see televised and they're going around to different groups but you're sitting there next to phil mickelson and tiger woods you're the mm-hmm. only thing on you're two of the best to ever play your sport but not that right. sport 
Right. Yeah, that that takes some guts. It really does. And, you, I mean, you've got to be a confident person and, and mm-hmm. of course, also know how to get around a golf course. But this was not just any course. This was a really, really tough golf course and one that Tiger Woods plays a lot. Um, in fact, one that uh, that he's incredibly familiar with down there in, in uh, Hope Sound in, in uh, South Florida. So, you know, you're, you're playing uh, the kind of course that, that professional golfers are used to navigating and getting in and out of trouble and stuff like that. But in addition to, you know, just kind of the courage that it took, I mean, they actually, for what they did, they actually made some shots. They played pretty well. I mean, again, it was funny watching uh, Twitter kind of, and I think this is natural, right? Because Brady, you know, Manning has put himself out there. Obviously, Manning has a great sense of humor. People feel like they know him. He's been retired a little bit longer, you know, the Saturday Night Lives, and I know Brady has done that as well. But all the commercials Manning has done, you know, over the years, Brady has sort of been this very packaged, very controlled New England Patriot, you know, that you would see on some things, but not not really put himself out there all that much. I mean, at one point, I thought it was interesting. Charles Barkley was uh, helped doing the sort of the color analyst on this telecast for TNT. And he, he was talking about how, you know, I feel like I know Peyton Manning. I didn't know that Tom Brady was this funny. I didn't know that he had this sense. And, and, and it's true because you don't get to see the back and forth with him. You know what I mean? Unless you've, unless you've watched some of the Tom versus time or some of the, you know, some of the sort of long form pieces that they've done on the Patriots over the years. Um, there, there isn't a lot of archive stuff, right. Of Brady, um, that's out there kind of off the football field a little bit. And so, you know, I think this was a, a pretty good glimpse of just who he was. And in the beginning, boy, the one thing you can say about all these guys is, of course, they're uber competitive, right? And they had been talking trash long before this this match. Uh, and it continued sort of during the match. But when things weren't going well for Tom and they were they were down three quickly, like within the first five holes, he was mad. I mean, he was upset. <laughs> it, was, it was sort of like that game face you saw when he was trailing the Falcons 28-3. to And... Um, in fact, somebody made reference to that, and he and he said about Tiger Woods, "This isn't the Falcons, you know." And he said something like, "Well, it's the same colors, you know." <laughs> um, so, uh, but I I, w- I was entertained. I thought it was good. Of course, the shot of the day, um, you know, he managed to pull off. But let's get, getting back before that, before he hits the shot, you've got guys like Jimmy Fallon, right? That's tweeting. I always felt like Tom Brady and I had a lot in common after watching his golf game. I actually think we may have been separated at birth. The match, uh, hashtag the match. Rick Kreisman, the mayor of St. Petersburg, for goodness sakes. We've got beautiful municipal golf courses in St. Pete at Tom Brady. They're open for practice. (laughs) (laughs) And then at one point, um, Giselle, his wife, was uh, texting him, let's go, lovey, at Tom Brady. And then Booger McFarlane down the street here texted and when he linked, uh, when when he retweeted her tweet, he said, "We've reached the stage where the wife is encouraging, getting rough." <laughs> so it was going that way, and then shot of the day, shot of the day, it was Tom Brady, um, who you know was just taking a beating from Charles Barkley at that very moment. He holes a wedge shot, and he makes birdie on the seventh hole, which great, was amazing. Great. He made birdie, but. Tiger was yeah. on the green in two. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> on the par exactly. five. Right. But nonetheless, there's about a hundred and fifty something yard yeah. shot that, that you know he hold. 
And and the thing is, is that when he did it, his microphone slipped, and his pants split. <laughs> so he couldn't even he couldn't even get away with that. Um, but I thought it, I thought it was good. Justin Thomas was on the mic, and that was, that was interesting. But man, just horrible weather. Like I thought, there's no way they're going to play this golf tournament. When that tournament started, I mean, buckets of rain, like the kind of rain that that you rarely would see PGA guys stand out there. Now the lightning, obviously, had that been an issue, they would have called it. But there, there was, I mean, there was puddling around the greens. It was incredible, just how bad the weather was. Yeah, that, that kind of put a damper on it a little bit. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, a, you know, golf's better. Uh, you can play in the rain and, and that's an sure. important skill and whatever else, but it's better when it's sunshine, bright. Oh, yeah. You know, perfect conditions, you know, very little wind. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, especially for a match when you've got two amateurs in there and Tom and Peyton. You right. Know, the better the weather conditions, the better the golf's going to be. Better chance they'll have. And then, uh, you know, it, it, and just to show you, you know, like, so Brady was over there, I guess. Uh, Probably earlier this weekend, either Friday or Saturday, I would imagine. And uh, well, I know he's there Saturday, but even even on Sunday, when he knew this event was starting at around three p.m., he played eighteen holes in the morning before the before the event, just because he wanted to get more more golf. And he, you know, that's the thing. Like with Peyton, who's obviously been retired now for four, going on five years, you know, he can play in Colorado, weather permitting, pretty much any or anywhere in the world he wants to. And so his his golf game is probably in a little better shape right now than Brady's. Although I hear Brady's very very good, and the thing is, is that you know Tom had the move down to Florida. This is his off season where he sort of begins to prepare for football a little bit. I don't know how much golf that he has really played, so he had a disadvantage in, in that in that aspect. But you know, again, for him to to grab a club and show up at Hope Sound and go, you know, let me let me play from the Tiger tees. I mean, it was it was pretty gutty of him. So. I thoroughly enjoyed it. They raised, by the way, um, $20 million for COVID relief. Uh, $10 million was pledged um, by the four players in Warner Media prior to the match, and then another $10 million was raised uh, sort of text donations and pledges uh, during the afternoon online and um, and promoted on the telecast. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, we got we got to hear a little bit of Brady. We got they didn't talk a lot about the Tampa Bay Bucks all that much. They had customized golf carts for all these guys. Um, TB12. I think you can bid on that one if you wanted it. And uh, those things were fast, by the way. But it wasn't the typical golf broadcast because you, you mentioned this before the podcast, Steve. You usually you go from one foursome to the next, so there's a pace. There's sort of a you know what I mean, sort of a. Mm-hmm. A snappier pace, and then the, the fans. I don't. I don't know that the fans were missed that much necessarily. Um, golf is one of those sports. I think you can probably get away with it yeah, because most people are quiet when they're over the shot anyway. It right? was a little different not hearing the roar after Tom Brady hits yeah. that shot or something like yeah. that. But I mean, in right. general, you know, it's not quite as is not noticeable as NASCAR. But you know, right. during the shot itself, it's you know, it's, the announcers are whispering even though they're sitting. You know, how many? miles away at the clubhouse mm-hmm. um, right you know but like hearing the roars of big shots you miss that but it wasn't mm-hmm. too bad and they didn't allow any media outside of the tnt or tbs broadcast people because uh, that's not the way tiger wanted it quite frankly and i, I talked to my friend bob herrig about this on espn.com the golf writer of course used to be my colleague at the tampa bay times and bob was sort of taken aback by it he's like look i don't so this is you know and i won't put words in his mouth but like you know, Tiger Woods sort of owns this, you know, and his people 
um, sort of own this, the match, you know, champions for charity thing. And even though PGA has a say with COVID, it's understandable. You didn't want a lot of media, but they obviously could have kept them uh, well separated and, and had something, you know, afterwards, perhaps like a press conference or traditional press conference. They decided against all of that. I mean, they just didn't want it. And so um, obviously I would have been over there to talk to him and Peyton Manning be the perfect guy to talk about Tom Brady and what he's attempting, you know, here in Tampa Bay with what Manning was able to do with the Denver Broncos is very similar in his effort. So we weren't able to do that, but um, yeah, nonetheless, I enjoyed it. We had some news though, uh, while we were away, because we haven't talked to you guys since uh, last Friday, Um, the Tampa Bay lightning, this is interesting. So the NHL uh, wants to, you know, begin their, their format. It's going to be 24 teams, right? Mm-hmm. And the first two teams in each uh, division get a bye. Is that correct? Uh, the top four or, teams. Or top work? four teams in the conference. So the Lightning right now are the two seed. Uh, Boston being one, Washington, Philadelphia. They'll play a round robin tournament to determine their seedings one through four. And then you'll, but you're in the playoffs. And then you're going to go play. You know, the other teams are playing a, a best of five series to determine if they move on in the playoffs or not. So Tampa Bay would be in. They would play a round-robin tournament with Boston, Washington, and Philadelphia to determine the one through four slots, and then you you know, you know play based on the tournament. So the 5 versus 12 matchup would uh, face the, the number four seed, and the 6 versus 11 would face the number three seed, and et cetera. So you're kind of lumping the whole conference in together, which is why the NHL is looking at two sites of 12 teams because you want to put one conference together, the other conference there, and then you'll figure out where the Stanley Cup is. But So the Lightning would – and the Lightning is one of two teams, as you mentioned, that voted against this proposal. And what Alex Kalorn has said all along is he's worried about playing games that don't mean anything while other teams are playing games that do, and then you have to match up. Kind of somewhat of a scenario what the Lightning did last year, where they weren't playing a game that meant anything for the last two months of the season – and then they got swept in the playoffs. Now, I don't believe that's the whole reason why, but you know Columbus was, was fighting for their lives down the stretch just to get right. in the playoffs as an eight seed, and they carried that momentum into the playoffs. The Lightning don't want to be playing games that, yeah, your one through four slot means something, you know, where you're seated in the tournament, but at the end of the day, you're in no matter what. So do those games really matter? How intense are the games going to be? How intense are you going to play those games where the Islanders and Panthers or – you know, Montreal and Pittsburgh, they're, you know, it's a best of five for who goes on and who goes home. Yeah, I mean, it might it might be different in terms of what's at stake for each team, and that, that's what you mean by that, uh, and I get it. By the same token, I mean, we're in a, we're in a place now that, that none of these teams are, are have tra- ever experienced, right, mm-hmm. where you've had mm-hmm. this incredible inter- interruption of a season almost to the point where you're sort of starting the season over in, in a way, even though – everything you did prior to this counts and it counts towards seeding in the playoffs. Um, and, and it's true. Games will mean more to some teams than others at that, at that juncture, but yet you still are just getting back to used to playing hockey. So I, I, I don't know if it'll be exactly the same, but I, I get, I get why they mean they went through this a year ago and mm-hmm. it's difficult when, when one team has a lot at stake and the other team, you know, you're talking about, you know, who do you sit? If some guy's the least bit injured, you don't want to put somebody out there that's Nick because you want to make sure that you're as healthy as you can be and as 100% as you can be when, when your games come around that, that matter. So, I mean, it is it is something different, but 
And I and that's and obviously that was the Lightning's position, and there were well, and Alex Alex Kalorn's the players rep who's been in these discussions, and and he mentioned, sure. look, he goes, there's not going to be a perfect scenario. No, no. I mean, you know, it, this is something that we've never dealt with before. There's no scenario that you can sit there and say this is perfect for everybody. It, it doesn't. It's not going to happen that way. I mean, there are right. people complaining that Montreal is getting in the playoffs when they're something like ten or twelve points out of a playoff spot with ten, 10 or twelve games to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why are they even in this? I mean, you know, people have talked about there's going to be an asterisk by this Stanley Cup, you know, the champion. And, and I disagree with that. I mean, I, I think I do too. Uh, you played 70 games or 68 games of the season, depending on the team. Um, everybody's going through the same stoppage, the same rules of when they're getting back and this. So, yes, it's a different season, but there's no asterisk. There's nothing, there's not the, you know, did the Astros cheat and, you know, steal signs during the World Series with using video equipment and you want to put an asterisk there? They didn't do that, but, you know, right. there could be a case for that. This is every team's going through the same. It, 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 there's no unfair advantage to any. I mean, to me, that's where an asterisk comes in is, you know, yes, was it different? But did they put an asterisk by it in 2013 when the Blackhawks won the, the Stanley Cup after a 48 game season? I don't see one there. I mean that's different right. than your eighty. They didn't go through an eighty-two game season to win the Stanley Cup, so sure, you know it's different. But but now if you could say if Montreal wins it all, they shouldn't probably shouldn't even be in the playoffs. But like I said, everybody's going through the same same situation here, so I don't see where there's an asterisk. It's not nobody's got an unfair advantage. The other option would have been to what just declare who the playoff teams were already and let them play. They could have. Um, but where it gets tricky is, and I believe this happened in both conferences, is the eighth team, which would be the last team in, there was a team that had more points, mm-hmm. but the team behind them by a point or two actually had a better points percentage because they had played a game or two less. Right. And had they played those games, potentially they would have passed them. Mm-hmm. You know, So that's where you start getting into the – you know, I mean, is it fair with 12 games to go that a team that's a point back and maybe with a game or two in hand isn't going to make it? Um, the other part of this is, and, and look, this is financial in, in nature too, and, and with the business being the way it is, you're not going to have fans in the stands. Adding in Montreal, adding in the Blackhawks, uh, adding in those types of teams adds more TV markets, adds more television ratings, adds more exposure and and. You know, I I think they're they're smart not to bring back the Detroit Red Wings and Los Angeles Kings who, you know, aren't going to make the playoffs and are so far out of it. Why would they even put their best players on the ice at this point? Why would you bring Dylan Larkin or Anthony Mantha back to to warm up to play 12 games and then shut it down again? It makes it makes zero sense for them. So to to eliminate those teams, but to, you know, give everyone a fair shot that was still had a, a shot essentially mathematically it's probably the best option there is yeah and i i think that you know i mean once once let's just hope they play i mean this mm-hmm. this is the key to everything right and, and i think at some point they're probably looking at uh two locations where they're going to put these teams one mm-hmm. i would think in the eastern time zone one maybe in the western uh in las vegas has been talked about as well sure seems like so, vegas is going to be one of the sites at least yeah know, reports where the other site is don't know Remains to be seen. Um, be great if it was Tampa. Probably won't be, but um, somewhere, somewhere they, on the they east said side there's eight the or country. nine cities that they're looking at, and I know Tampa yeah. has been 
pushing and, and wanting to host it, uh, where they're in the standings there or how NHL views it. There's a lot of things that go in, into it, including practice ranks. I mean, one of the things Vegas has an advantage of, and there's a couple other cities that do too, is there's a second sheet of ice right in the rink. Right. You know, so they have a second sheet of ice right there. I mean, you know, the lightning the building, for a second yeah. sheet of ice, you have to go either to Brandon, to the TGH mm-hmm. Iceplex, or up to Wesley Chapel. Um, hotels right. are a consideration. Of course, Tampa's got plenty of those. Um, sure. Humidity here is a, is a factor, um, mm-hmm. but th- that can be dealt with, particularly when you're not going to have 20,000 fans in the building. It helps keep the humidity down in that. Um, sure. And then there's other things. You know, there's all kinds of, I'm sure, logistics based on COVID and social distancing and everything else they want to do um, that goes into this. So there's, there's a lot of factors the NHL is looking at and, and where the perfect location is. But it sure seems like Vegas is high on that list. And that's, I mean, there's good news here in sports, and and we've talked about this incrementally, and we will continue to do so. New York has decided that they are open as a state for pro sports, which is encouraging, um, particularly for their baseball teams. Of course, the Jets, uh, or I'm sorry, the Giants play in New Jersey, and so, you know, that wouldn't affect them necessarily. But uh, I think in short order, you're going to see, the NFL, once these mm-hmm. other sports begin to come back, of course, baseball, they already started. They start workouts at the Trop, I guess, on uh, t- today. Today, yeah, voluntary workouts. They're expecting about 17 to 20 yeah. players. It won't be intense workouts, mm-hmm. and they're voluntary. And no. they'll be practicing social distancing and that as well. But Yeah, it's a good sign. Yeah. The NBA really looks like they may be going to Disney, bringing all the teams there potentially, yep. playing at Wide World of Sports, um, mm-hmm. and resuming either the season or going straight to the playoffs there. But that's a good sign. And good for the state right. of Florida as well. Absolutely. And, you know, so, I mean, as the country opens up again, we hope that there's not a spike in cases or, and or deaths, of course. Um, but these teams are and these pro sports leagues are starting to find ways to play. It's going to be different. Of course, we're still a long way from the NFL and knowing exactly what they're going to do. Uh, everything is still status quo with respect to preseason and training camp. I still believe that, um, you know, they opened the facilities last Tuesday uh, the Bucks weren't quite ready to do that yet to their front office, some, or not their front office, but some of their office personnel and, and others. Uh, coaches are still not there. Players are still not there. I would be willing to guess, and we would be close to the end of the offseason program, which would usually go to about the middle of June. But I'd be willing to guess, but by the time we get to the middle of June, um, you'll see players back in the facilities and, and doing some things, um, again, limited and, and, and you know, as safely as they can do them, um, I, I, that's just my guess. And whether or not they they wait till training camp, you know, and they just keep it all virtual throughout se- off season, I have heard that. I've heard that the off season was going to be virtual until training camp, but training camp doesn't begin till the end of July, and that seems like a long time. Where you st- you start thinking about teams like Carolina that have first year head coaches and first year quarterbacks and 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 that sort of thing. It's going to be a huge disadvantage. I think those teams that are together, like Kansas City and some others, a disadvantage for Tom Brady. Obviously, no matter how much he works out at Berkeley Prep with his with his teammates, he, he needs the reps against the defense. He needs some some you know uh, some way to to measure progress that that way, and needs to get with coaches rather than virtual Zoom meetings and things like that. So, all of that needs to happen. But uh, but for now, we'll we'll take the progress of the NHL and Major League Baseball and hopefully the NBA and. We'll see what happens with respect to uh, to the NFL. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking in the NFL, uh, just a, a quick uh, little thing I wanted you guys to check out on tampabay.com. I wrote a story about Chris Godwin. And, of course, uh, you know, all these guys – uh, on the Bucks, so many of them have done some great things uh, with respect to helping out in this uh, time of the COVID uh, pandemic and uh, helping out with uh, feeding people uh, in need and uh, feeding Tampa Bay and that sort of thing. Uh, this story is a little different because, you know, in, inevitably, I think we will all be touched probably by this or know someone who was with respect to COVID-19, whether somebody uh, becomes ill or, God forbid, um, loses their life as a result of it. But Chris Godwin has been touched. And it's because his 89-year-old grandmother, soon to be 90-year-old grandmother, Herminia Spann uh, in Delaware, spent some time in a hospital after she contracted the coronavirus, which is amazing that uh, she was able to battle that. She's uh, at home. Uh, talked to Chris. He said that she's improved a lot. Um, you know, when he, when he got word that, uh, that she had it, he was worried sick because, you know, so much is unknown. But thank God she's back home. He said that she's not completely out of the woods yet but the fact that she's home you know is a, a huge step in the right direction and of course he's done stuff you know sort of in and around the bucks with respect to um to covid but this really sort of inspired him and he posted this video message that we'll play for you on twitter sort of asking for stories of unsung heroes and uh, people that have been working uh, he said not only to keep us safe but to keep the country operating at a full force here's chris godwin on this uh message he posted on twitter what's up bucks nation hope everyone's well hope everyone is safe um obviously this virus is, has severely impacted how we move in our day-to-day lives it's seriously impacted um just how we operate um and it's impacted a lot of people in so many different ways both directly and indirectly um i think it's i think it's safe to say that we all kind of feel the force of this virus um i know for myself personally um, it is hit really close to home. My grandmother was recently diagnosed with COVID last week. And uh, when it happened, it kind of just had me really just, just thinking about our, all of our unsung heroes, um, the people that have not only been working tirelessly to keep us safe, but also to keep our country operating at full force. And just the sacrifice that they've been making and what their families may be going through. Um, and just how appreciative I've been of that. Um, and because of that, I wanted to kind of do something to shed some light on those people, share a little bit of their stories. But in order to do that, I need your help. I need you to reply to this tweet, shouting out your unsung hero, uh, sharing a bit of their story and just kind of shedding light on, on the things that they've been doing uh, so we can bring a little bit of positivity into into these unprecedented times. So that post was back on May 11th and it's been overwhelming. He's had a ton of replies uh, from everywhere. And, you know, from, from Tampa to London and in between. Families of victims, uh, families who, uh, you know, have people that are healthcare workers, first responders, and a lot of Bucks fans. And, you know, most of these people, when they responded, uh, were surprised that, that, you know, Chris wanted them to IM him on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of great stories, too many to get to. 
necessarily maybe in this podcast, but he wound up, uh, and they didn't they didn't respond for this because they didn't know it was coming. But then he would fulfill like care packages to them. He would send them gift cards. He had some sponsors at Publix, uh, PDQ, NFL shops, and so he was sending autographed items, personalized notes, signed footballs, and this sort of thing to sort of uh, reward them for sharing their stories. And there were some really good ones. I had a chance to uh, to talk to. The Abernathys, uh, Billy Abernathy uh, has been a Bucks fan his whole life, really, in uh, a season ticket holder since um, 1982, Section 147, Row F, if you want to look for him. He's 61 years old, and, and he is uh, the emergency coordinator from Bal- Bartow. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he goes back, you know, to the games uh, when the rain was cascading down the steps of the big sombrero against Kansas City, I think it was, and um, you know, all the bad seasons they had with Ray Perkins and Lehman Bennett's and, um, you know, Jack Thompson, the throw Samoan and Benny Testaverde, all that he went through. He told a funny story. He said, you know, back in the day when he first started getting season tickets, it was, you know, it was he had like four of them. And it was sort of hard to get people to go to the games because they were so bad. And he told this is an old joke, but he swears it's true. He said we sometimes it was just me and my brother. And so, so I take my two extra tickets. And I just put them in my windshield wiper of my truck and he goes when i come back after the game of course the old joke there'd be like 10 tickets in the windshield wipers of his truck that people other people had left that they couldn't get rid of but um he he was just a you know he, he's been a big bucks fan richmond richard batman wood was his favorite but he was talking about you know godwin and it's true he said look for a guy to reach out and respond the way he did you know he just thought that it was very classy and that um you know He'd like to shake his hand one day if he ever got that opportunity, but he just felt like, you know, it was it was a personal touch. He got people to tell their stories, and their stories were very varied. Um, you know, you had uh, Drew Aponte, who's 35, is a sergeant in the U.S. Army. He was deployed in Europe, and his wife, Chantal, is a full-time registered nurse, and he told me that uh, she's a real MVP for taking care of their three kids uh, while he's deployed. Um and, you know, Godwin heard that story and said, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, kudos to you and for your wife for all you guys do. Um, there was a story as far as uh, London. Kevin McManus, his 60-year-old father, Pat, died uh, of contracting the virus uh, as a patient in a hospital where he worked as a nurse manager. And he was a, he was a guy that had multiple sclerosis and was actually in management but moved to the front lines during this pandemic. Um you know, and his son told this story, um, you know, about his father and, and Godwin responded to him, um, obviously sent him as a package as well. But these people were touched by their ability to to interact, you know, sort of personally with Chris and, and for him to respond to them um, however he could, in a, even in a token way, just as a way of appreciation. So have, if you have a chance, go to tempbay.com, check out that story. Um, you'll see it in sports. It probably, I don't know if it's run in the E-Edition newspaper, but it is online, and it probably will be uh, in the E-Edition or maybe even if it waits till Tuesday in our print edition uh, on Wednesday when we uh, when we have our print on Wednesday and Sunday. So check that out. All right, so especially people remember now, be safe out there for this Memorial Day. Um, there's a lot going on. Of course, a lot of people headed to the beaches or maybe on the water. Make sure you take care of yourselves. And remember what this day is for and um we really thank those who protect us in the armed services and of course those families and and uh, gentlemen and women who have uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives so remember them on this memorial day 
For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.